2: Hi, I'm Tanya Oliveira. I work for Transparence Entertainment Group. I focus on world X usa neighboring rights on the performer side and rights holder side.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Money in the Air. Today, we have myself, Andrew, Gina, and Tanya to discuss the importance of responding to overlaps and disputes on behalf of the rights owners and what types of evidence is needed to confirm on the claims that you have at the various CMOs. So to kick us off, why don't we start with what happens, say, at PPL and go with Gina?
1: Okay, so yeah, it's dispute time and the emails are coming in from PPL asking us to confirm that we own certain recordings and you usually get about three or four weeks to respond. My suggestion, first of all, is don't ignore these emails. If you've got one in your inbox, you need to look at it and you need to work it. It's really not as scary as it seems just means that somebody else believes they own a recording that you also believe you own as well. The easiest option is, if you don't own the track anymore, is to maintain the claim, but put the date on which that you withdraw your ownership or your licensing of that particular recording. And that should resolve it with the uh, with a new party. If, however, the claim is yours, always has been ongoing and you want to maintain it, then I suggest that you complete that information as soon as possible. You mark on there that you wish to maintain the claim. You mark on there whether you're the original copyright owner or if you've licensed it, the date that came into effect, and you would have to return it with some form of evidence. If you're a representative, you're looking for a contractual agreement to say that you're authorized to collect on behalf of the label, or if you're an independent owner you're the label and you own it yourself you should have a contract on agreement that confirms the ownership that you can then send man- send that back to ppl and they will review that and offset it against the other party that also believes they have a claim on your recording as well
0: so can i back up um well first of all to reiterate that claims at societies at cmos mean your money so the claims that you're submitting um, for your recordings equates to them being able to pay your individual accounts but I just kind of want to ask you Gina why would somebody claim a recording that is not theirs and try to get that money or where does this all really come from?
1: can be some confusion so quite often the cases where a label have registered the recording with PPL and whilst that you can put on a start date People don't end date these claims. You know, why would you? You don't necessarily know when the agreement is going to end, but also that claim will go on indefinitely until you've end dated it and they will continue to collect that money. But what can happen is that the artist or the label signs a deal with a new company, a new distributor, or an independent deal, and uh, the ownership is then passed over. Perhaps the previous deal expired. So the new owners are registering, re-registering those recordings using the same ISRC codes and starting their claim with the date of their new ownership. But because, for example, let's say they own the track from October 2021, but the existing owners have got an infinite date of 2,999, which is a sort of quite a common date with PPL, there's going to be a clash. Okay, 2999 is still ongoing. We've come in as October 2021. And PPL need to know hang on a minute. Well, we've got two people crossing over here. Has the first deal ended? What date did it end? Ideally, we're looking for them to say the 30th of September 2021. So that's a smooth transition. We come in first of October 2021, job done, royalties split, everybody's happy. That's a nice smooth transition. Doesn't always work that way.
0: Thank you. Uh, Tanya, do you have something to add on this subject?
2: Yeah, that's a really good point about not inserting an end date. It's quite rare for that to happen, which means inevitably there are so many conflicts. But yeah, I want to stress that it's so important to respond. Like if you are the new licensee or you've taken on, you know, you're collecting on behalf of a rights holder, whether they're self-releasing or a huge label, like you need to respond to PPL's emails and it's a spreadsheet. And the initial stage is do you claim or do you withdraw? And then attaching evidence. And if you don't have evidence, then I suggest or and advise reaching out to the pre to the opposing party, like the previous rep or the previous often it's a distributor. A lot of my conflicts are with distributors because a lot of self-policing artists tick the box where it's like, oh, we can collect your neighboring rights as well, and and so I'm I'm in many many disputes with distributors, and yeah, and sometimes you can just get into an email with them and just explain the situation, and then quite often there's an amicable you know solution, and and they agree like yeah like our term ended 1st of June this year, and then you're like, great. And then that serves as evidence in PPL's eyes. They just need some kind of written communication and paper
0: trail. Atomic change is actually kind of the reverse problem. So if a new party is coming in and they're claiming your recordings, the existing party has like 90 days to respond. So it is more important for the existing party to really make sure that their claims are not going to be relinquished because of a non-response action. I've claimed stuff that is not supposed to be claimed just to make sure that the existing distributor is doing what they should be doing and claiming these recordings. Because unfortunately, at So there's no visibility as to whether or not your distributor has claimed the specific recording. But in these instances, it's really important that you respond to these messages to make sure that the income is supposed to be going where it's supposed to by providing evidence such as the governing agreement.
2: That's really, it's good to know. Like, yeah, it it feels like in the US, it's a kind of different situation to the rest of the world with the onus falling on which party and in GVL in Germany it's quite similar to PPL although they don't send you a spreadsheet you just get like an email notification of you've got some disputes please deal with them and they kind of crop up multiple times throughout the year rather than just like twice a year and then yeah there's you can just select as many as you want and simply you kind of reaffirm your claim or you revoke and it's as simple as that but if the other party don't respond, then you are to stalemate situation. And then that's when I reach out to them separately. Because luckily, uh, GBL provides contact details for all the parties involved. So then you can just all get in an email together. And- yeah, as I said,
1: Australia are great. They tend to email both sides as well. So you can have a conversation. Everybody's very amicable on email, very helpful. And um, because of the way Australia works, they don't necessarily go by ISRC codes they will go by artist or they will go by track title so you can imagine there's quite a few crossovers there because if there's different versions of a recording different rights holders have put out then you can obviously get a clash a crossover so we'll just do a quick search on the ISRC that they do provide no it's not ours and just go back and say you know no we'll withdraw or if it's if it's ours then the other party will likewise do the same as well so they're usually easily resolved and if you're a label and you've got a worldwide mandate with PPL then you should probably receive an international disputes form from PPL and a UK disputes form as well so again don't ignore these do work them because quite often they'll indicate as well the monetary value alongside them so you can gauge it and um, and see what you stand to lose if you don't respond.
0: What happens in those situations where it's like there's no portals involved with disputes?
1: Are you saying, so for example, if you're just sending a whole repertoire sheet over to the CMO? Yes. Yeah, okay, so I'm, I'll am i use the example of Brazil, abramus mm-hmm. where we send them on a monthly basis repertoire for each label, because that's how they want the information from us. And in order to process it, they have to have sight of an agreement to confirm that we can work with that label. And if there's already an existing agreement in place, then we have to get confirmation from PPL that the agreement has been ceased before they will then agree to work with us. So it's quite a lengthy process. That's
0: already cool. That So they make sure that the information is correct before it even enters the systems.
1: That's it. They won't accept repertoire from us if we don't have an agreement from the label. And and in fairness, we shouldn't be working it if we don't have an agreement from the label. So you've got to make sure everything is is signed and sealed before you you supply. But yeah, they won't accept repertoire unless you've got that agreement to back it up.
2: Thank you for coming back. Thank you for listening. Hit that join now button on ifr.co.uk.